0: guys, welcome to the I Love Seville Show. My name is Jerry Miller. It is Tuesday afternoon in downtown Charlottesville at our studio on Market Street in the Macklin Building. Thank you kindly for joining us. Your local newspaper is this talk show. We'll further explain why in a matter of minutes. I want to thank the Charlottesville Police Department for being a part of the program, being a strong partner of the show, the Charlottesville Police Department. Be the change you want to see. Join the Charlottesville Police Department. Chief Cochus and the Charlottesville Police Department are making a significant impact already in this community. Chief Cochus, the Charlottesville Police Department, be the change you want to see and join this department, support the department, and back the blue. Give props to Scott Wagner as well. Dr. Wagner, who's got your back? It's a tagline we created here at I Love Sevo and VMV Brands. Dr. Wagner's got your back. That's Scott Wagner. Integrated medicine. Macro headline that I want to start with. I, this is a, a, a bit of a cause for concern. Oh, I like this content already from Deep Throat. Um, Truist Bank. And, and, and this is going to hit Charlottesville in Central Virginia. BB&T and SunTrust merged. When BB&T and SunTrust merged in late 2019, they formed a new brand. It's called Truist. There's Truist banks all over this region, including one a block away from this studio where all our business accounts are held. Truist is uh, planning a sizable reduction in its workforce over the next six months the moves that are part of an effort to save $750 million, You heard that number correct. $750 million in gross costs over 12 to 18 months through a new belt tightening, which is underway now. Staff will be reduced and consolidated. Any redundant functions will be eviscerated and eliminated. The company employs more than 53,000 people the banking industry right now is in turmoil. Drone Pals, rate hikes, the exposure that is commercial real estate is very real and has not been felt yet. This is what you can expect out of this, viewers and listeners, and listen carefully and listen closely. You can, A, expect the lending environment to get even tighter. If you're trying to sell a business right now, and I'm, I just had a conversation with the owner, one of the owners, co-owners of Millie Joe, literally 20 minutes ago, 18 minutes ago. If someone's looking to sell a business right now, you're going to most likely do it in a seller finance capacity. Getting a loan from a bank to purchase a business is just not going to become a reality. Not anytime soon. Seller finance is how these businesses are going to transact. That's how they normally transact anyway. If you're selling a business, expect to carry the paper. Expect to get a portion up front that is non-refundable. Expect to get monthly payments every month over a term that's agreed upon, over an interest rate that's agreed upon. Those monthly payments, non-refundable. Seller finance. I bought most of this building in a seller finance capacity, and I've traded, helped brokered, I don't know, 70 to 80 business transactions with the large majority of those seller, seller finance deals. So that's the first thing to be mindful of. Lending is going to tighten. Refinancing is going to tighten. Lines of credit are going to be eviscerated or evaporated. The lending standards, if they do decide to give people money, lend people money, the background check and the auditing, the credit scores, the paperwork, are going to get even more significant. If you're looking to borrow money now, this is not the climate to do it in. I expect other banks to follow Truist's suit. Truist very sneakily has become a relatively large bank. BB&T and SunTrust, they were small regional banks. When they merged, they created a pretty big bank here. This is a relatively big bank saying it's going to lay off a boatload of people out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and cut a boatload of costs. I don't want to be doom and gloom, but the headwinds and the hurt is ahead of us. Who this impacts the most is the small business owner. Lines of credit, many of them utilize them. The small business owner that is relying on any kind of loan for expansion, how many need that? Small businesses everywhere need loans from banks for expansion. It's going to further prioritize what we're doing in this firm with the Venture Fund and those details to come later this week. Expect the funding for expansion to come from hard money lenders, private lenders, high net worth individuals. Expect business transactions to transpire in a... Private money lender ecosystem or environment where someone like me connects a business that's for sale and its owners with a buyer and its team with lenders in the middle, private money lenders. That's a reality. Thank you, Deep Throat. Truist is number eight in the United States for CRE lending. We're talking a big bank here. Bottle bro, thank you for the retweet. All right, I want to talk schools. What I'm trying to do with this show, the I Love Seville show, is give you various sections of the newspaper. Front page, which is the lead stories. Your politics section, your commentary section, your lifestyle section your real estate section, your sports section, your school section. I'm trying to provide you the newspaper in audio and visual format and stream it everywhere on social or wherever you get your podcast. Last night there was a Q&A at the field school, showcased a lot of the candidates, all the candidates in the Whitehall District. You had Ann Malik and Brad Rickle. Rhymes with pickle. You had the Whitehall candidates for school board and the at-large candidates, Bryce and Spillman. The gymnasium was packed, man. I was not there. I watched it online. It was effing packed. Friend of the program, Queen of Ivy, not sure if the Queen of Ivy is watching the show right now, she said she had a sit on the floor while watching the Q&A because all the seats were taken. I watched the recording which the Crozet Gazette posted online from start to finish. Before I give you my commentary, my analysis, and before we play highlight clips from this Q&A, I want to give you kind of a state of the union. If you want to put the lower third on local media covering school board races, Judah, that would be fantastic. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, I wake up and I do this. I check maybe two dozen media outlets because I have a voracious appetite for reading and for learning and for just expanding my breadth of knowledge. So I'll start macro. I'll go Wall Street Journal. That's the first outlet I check every day. Wall Street Journal, number one. Read, say, eight to nine stories from the journal every morning. From Wall Street Journal, I go to Barron's. I love Barron's. I encourage anyone, if you want to follow finance and pick up your knowledge of finance, Wall Street Journal, read it every day. Barron's read it every day. From barons, I go to CNBC, read probably top eight or ten stories on CNBC. Then I'll glimpse the New York Times and see if something tickles my fancy. I think the New York Times has turned into an absolute rag. The New York Times used to be damn good. The New York Times now is a piece of crap. The New York Times is a, a, a newspaper to put on your... Uh, if you, if you have some gerbils and some hamsters and you need to line the cage, use the Times. It's turned into a rag. From the Times, I'll then go to the micro level. First one I go is Richmond Times Dispatch. Got a Times Dispatch subscription. Richmond Times Dispatch is turning into the paper of record for the Commonwealth. From the Richmond Times Dispatch, I'll go to a website called Richmond Biz Sense richmondbizsense.com, B-I-Z-S-E-N-S-E.com, B-I-Z-S-E-N-S-E.com richmondbizsense. After I read the Richmond Times Dispatch, which is richmond.com and richmondbizsense, I then go to the local level. I start at the Daily Progress, I have a Daily Progress subscription. I have subscriptions to Barron's, the Wall Street Journal, that's two, the Chartist, thechartist.com, that's three, The Richmond Times Dispatch, that's four. Daily Progress, that's five. Am I missing any? New York Times, I share a subscription with someone else. That's five. Am I missing any? The Atlantic for sports, that's six. Six subscriptions every month, Jesus. Daily Progress, seven. Did I say Daily Progress? That's seven. So then I go to the local level and check out the Daily Progress. And this is what I found. When I visited the Daily Progress, I saw literally no coverage of last night's Whitehall Q&A with school board candidates. I'm literally on the Daily Progress right now and there's not any coverage of the Q&A last night in Whitehall that had Rickle against Malik, the Whitehall school board candidates and Spillman Versus Bryce. Not a single ounce of coverage on the Daily Progress. After I check the Daily Progress, I go to NBC29.com. I'm on NBC29.com right now. Not a single glimpse of coverage of last night's Whitehall Q&A at the field school on NBC29.com. Not one. Then I go to CBS19. Not a single glimmer of coverage on CBS19 of the Whitehall Q&A. I will occasionally go to the Seville Weekly, but when it's a weekly newspaper and the content's only coming out on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, what can you really cover? I mean, you can only do human interest stories when you're publishing content a week late. It takes me anywhere from, I'd say, 60 minutes to 90 minutes every day. And I'll, I'll take that back. 60 minutes to 90 minutes, Monday through Friday, to read these outlets. But it's important for me to do because it's how I prepare for this show. It's how I prepare to offer consultation to our clients. We're charging $295 an hour, so we better offer good consultation at premium prices. It's how I stay on the cusp with these businesses and stay where the market is going before the market gets there. And I just like to learn. I was disappointed to not see any coverage of the Q and A anywhere. I want to give props to the Crozet Gazette for hosting the event, props to the community newspaper, the Crozet Gazette. I want to give props to the Crozet Gazette for putting the video on its YouTube channel. Here's the problem. You want to know the problem? The Crozet Gazette has 54 subscribers on its YouTube channel. Literally 54. And the Q&A, which is legitimately news, before I started this show, I'm not sure what the number is now, but had 88, there's like 80 people who had seen it so far. Crozet Gazette, job well done. I'm giving you props here. My point is the newspaper and the two TV stations locally miss an opportunity to cover this. And it frustrates me. So what I'm going to try to do is give you some commentary and perspective. And then play some highlight clips from from yesterday's Q&A, last night's Q&A. The race that matters is this at-large seat. Spillman and Bryce, Bryce for Spillman. If you watch these ladies who they sat next to each other, they literally sat right next to each other, not across the table. Can you go to the studio camera if you could? Tell me when we're studio camera. We're studio? They can see the table? There's how, how tall, long is this table right here? 10 feet? Uh, it's probably seven. Can people hear you? Yes. Okay. We got you on a two shot. Let's, let's call this. I mean, should I get on here? Stay on the studio camera. You're on the studio camera. Yeah. mean you know, I'm five foot eight. Okay. I think you're right. Let's call it eight feet. All right, eight feet. these these ladies were sitting next to each other. And dude, if body language could talk, the body language would say Spillman and Bryce vehemently dislike each other. And you can say one thing, you can say another, they don't like each other. And you want to Agree with that comment? Viewers and listeners watching the show, did you feel the same way with the body language out there? I thought the questions were good. And I thought the answers were telling. I thought the answers were very telling. Anyone who watches this program knows that I'm a a fan of Bryce. And why I'm a fan of Bryce is because I think the schools are underperforming right now. ACPS, you're spending eighteen thousand on average plus per student per year, eighteen G's, and you have students of color lagging behind, students from financially margin families lagging behind. You have the dictatorship of Dr. Matthew Haas, the superintendent a dictatorship that is using Ho Chi Minh tendencies with school rebranding. You have a bus driver shortage that still is not solved. You have teachers quitting at prolific clips. You have morale at piss poor levels. You got assaults of the sexual variety happening in locker rooms, in front of coaches and administrators right before their very eyes. You have hardcore drug use in the schools. You have hallways that are essentially being unpoliced, school resource officers who have been villainized. You have vaping and fighting and downright sex in bathrooms and every nook and cranny in the schools. I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer and Dangerous Minds that looks like a, a a playground. That looks like some pussy cats right now. Give me Coolio singing "Gangsters Paradise" because that's what we got. And I think parents are becoming more attuned to it. And you got a candidate and Bryce who seems to be almost fearless. Thick skinned and unafraid. And Spillman, who seems almost so punch drunk with inclusivity that she prioritizes said inclusivity over what schools are meant to do in the first place, which is teach. Schools are meant for teaching, and schools are meant for learning, and schools are meant for kids to show up on time, and to learn from teachers, and to get home on time. What is the mission of a school in 10 seconds or less? I'm gonna put myself on a timer, okay? In fact, Judah, do you have a watch that has a second hand on it? Do you have a watch on?
1: No, I <clears throat> can time me on this though.
0: If you can give me a timer, why don't we go on a two shot? Tell me when we're on a two shot. We're on a two? Yeah. Give me 12 seconds to answer this question, okay? First, I want you to ask me this question. Jerry, what are schools, what is the primary perso- purpose for a school? That's all I want you to ask me. Say, Jerry, what, are the primary, what is the primary purpose for a school? And then start the clock, and I'll give you an answer in less than 12 seconds. Tell me when you're ready. I'll wait for your cue. Jerry, what is the primary purpose of a school? The primary purpose of a school is to get kids to school on time, is to have them learn from teachers so they can improve their potential futures through education and then schools need to get their students home on time. How long did that take? Less than 12 seconds. Bingo, less than 12 seconds. Parents, isn't that what you want from your school? Get my kid to school on time, keep them, I'll, I'll throw in safety in there. I had four or five extra seconds. You get kids to school on time, keep them safe, Have them learn from teachers so they can improve their future potential and get them home on time. There it is, less than 12 seconds. And you have an at large candidate in Spillman who is punch drunk with inclusivity as opposed to doing what I just said in less than 12 seconds. And I'll show it to you. I'm gonna show it to you. Do you have the clip ready to rock? Let's do the clip on. The clip that. What's that? Priorities. Yeah. Let's play the clip on priorities. Here's the clip on priorities. Get ready for this. Get ready for this. I do need a hottie toddy today, Vanessa Parkhill. Thank you, Queen of Earliesville. You're absolutely right. I'm going to play a clip on priorities. I think this clip is this clip is two minutes long. This is a highlight clip, a sizzle reel from last night's Q&A at the field school. What I'm doing right now is what the newspaper and the TV station should be doing. Play the two at-large candidates talking about priorities. Give me that clip in three, in two, and one.
2: The mission of our public schools is to provide an excellent education for all students. It's so an investment in DEI is an investment in academic excellence for every student Um, as far as the resources go, I don't think that they are mutually exclusive where you have one at the expense of the other. I think that we need to be investing in universal pre-K programs so that all kids, when they enter kindergarten, have those literacy blocks and are ready to learn. I think we need to be funding even more reading interventionists than we we have, so that by their grade, every child is reading at grade level, regardless of their race or identity. Um, we need to invest in teacher training, in the science of reading, and get back to teaching phonics so that our kids can actually learn to read. And that's going to close a lot of those disparity gaps that we make the inter- investment up front in a quality public education.
1: Okay, so you, you can not prioritize both. That's not how priorities work. So you need to elect school board members who will prioritize academic needs over everything else. In my door knocking, I met. I knocked on the door and um, a little girl answered and she said, hold on, my dad's just waking up and it was noon. And her dad came to the door and he's a Chinese immigrant and he told me that he was just waking up because um, he had worked an overnight shift at an assisted living facility so that he could afford the tutoring for his rising third grade daughter um, who is not reading well yet. I can assure you that that dad wants us to prioritize academics. And speaking of the reading program, so our, our reading program does not fall under it's not approved program by the state. When our district learned that it was not approved, their reaction was to ask for an exemption. So rather than saying, "Oh yeah, yeah, we really do need a, a, a new program," they asked for an exemption.
0: That's from the Crozet Gazette Q and A. I'm going to play one more clip here in a matter of moments. I'm going to play a second clip here in a matter of moments. First, I want to analyze what was just said right there and just cut through the crap. I'm going to cut through crap and just give you what was said. I'm going to try to make an analogy to small business. I'm going to make an analogy to a... You know what? I'm not even going to make an analogy to small business. I'm going to make an analogy to a family unit. A family unit. A family has a budget. And this family, whether it's a family of three, family of four, family of five, whether it's two dads, two moms, a mom and dad whether it's two daughters, a son and daughter, two sons, you have a budget. In that family, everybody wants to do something with said budget. Some people want to go to Winter Wonder for the light show at the Borset or the Turkey Trot for a 5K walk and run on Thanksgiving Day. Some people may want to go to the Monster Truck Rally The John Paul Jones Arena on April 20th and April 21st is having Monster Truck Lives, a glow-in-the-dark party featuring Monster Truck's Hot Wheels variety. Some folks need things like formula so the baby can stay alive, and maybe the baby has a milk allergy, so you have to get the super deluxe expensive formula and not the -the run-of-the-mill formula. Some kids have private school tuition. Maybe someone wants to play sports and wants a new squash racket. Maybe two new squash rackets. Maybe the better half wants to go out to cocktails and drinks at a fancy steakhouse on the grounds of the Darden School. You wanna get a new new car. You wanna save for college education. You wanna make sure you're investing the, the right amount of money every month into the stock portfolio. Saving money for a rainy day. Putting cash in an account to buy some real estate. You got a limited budget And you got people wanting to do stuff in the family unit with that budget. Albemarle County is this family unit, the Albemarle County Public Schools. And right now, Albemarle County Public Schools is trying to do too much with limited resources. It's going to the monster truck rally. It's going to the steak dinner. It's buying some cars. It's trying to get squash rackets. It's going shopping, getting lattes, pedicures and manicures, turkey trots and winter wonders. Almore County Public Schools is doing too much. It's not razor-focused. Almore County Public Schools right now, because the performance is indicative of piss-poor outings, SOLs, should stay razor-focused. I need to, in razor-focused capacity, get children to school on time, keep them safe at schools, make sure they learn from teachers, and have academic success, and get kids home on time. That should be Almaro County's focus. Kids to school on time, keep them safe at schools, have them learn from teachers, and improve their academic performance, and get them home on time. Elmore County instead is trying to focus on rebranding and renaming. Elmore County is trying to focus on collective bargaining. Elmore County is trying to focus on DEI. Elmore County is trying to focus on K-Tech. Elmore County is trying to focus on building new schools. Almore County is trying to focus on so much other stuff besides the eight-second analysis of what schools should do first and foremost. Kids to school on time, keep them safe, make sure they learn, and get them home on time. Bryce calls out Spillman and says... A priority is picking and choosing what you want to focus upon. That's what she just did there. Spillman gave an answer that is the status quo, what we have now. Bryce is saying if you want to change what's happening, you have to not only shake the tree... But you have to consider potentially cutting down the tree and planting a new one. You know, leaders of people oftentimes are the people who get attacked and ridiculed by others. But if those leaders have the courage and the conviction and the thick skin mentality to withstand the barrage of attack, they can then sit back and say, you know, it's only a small portion of people that are attacking, and the rest seem to be all about what I'm saying. I think you're seeing that with candidate Bryce. And I mentioned this yesterday. When do political candidates start asking themselves if hitching their wagon to socialist and activist Charlottesville is in fact a detriment to their political future? We saw that with Kellen Squire. He got hammered by Amy Lauffer. Despite Amy Lauffer on Twitter seeming to be, according to Socialist Charlottesville, the spawn of Satan. We watched Socialist Charlottesville and Activist Charlottesville back Dave Norris and ridicule and attack Katrina Coulson. Trina Colson beat Dave Norris and Bellamy Brown. We watch Socialist and Activist Charlottesville back Sally Hudson and attack Creed Deeds. Creed Deeds got that victory. And yes, Socialist and Activist Charlottesville can point to the success they had with Natalie Oshren, the wedding and event planner with Pippin Hill, who earned a seat on Charlottesville City Council. But is that as much about Natalie Oshren getting a victory as it is Bob Fenwick being maybe the worst possible candidate to be on a ticket? I would say Natalie won that race as much as Bob lost it. Let's play the final clip. This is the closing remarks clip, essentially the State of the Union for ACPS, Almero County Public Schools. I want you to watch closely body language with these two women. The tension, so thick, so tangible and palpable. between these two ladies. Cue up that clip in three, two, one. Put
1: the icing on the
2: cake. I'll try. Thank you again for the opportunity to get to know all of us better. Um, I want to ensure that our children all thrive in public schools and are given an excellent education that sets them up for success regardless of their past or their path. Um, If you want to learn you know, a minute was not a lot of time to tell you about these issues that we're all very passionate about I encourage you to read up on us. Go to our um, social media pages and our websites. Um, This election is crucial and local elections matter more now than they ever have and there is a lot at stake for our families in this particular race. Um, So please tell your friends to vote. Early voting starts um, in just a few weeks on September 22nd and thank you again for the opportunity.
1: I, like every parent in here, I want my children to have the best chance at a good education. A couple years ago, my family decided that this was no longer possible in ACPS because of current leadership. Many people in the community have made that same des- decision or wondered the same and have been seriously considering it or simply wish that they could. Rather than walk away and wash my hands of this, I decided to come back and fight to fix the problems that I see in our district. If you're happy with how things are going, And if you like the direction that our district is headed, then you have a candidate for that. If, however, like me, you see major problems in this district, and you think we are headed in the wrong direction, then vote for the candidate who will fight for that. Vote for the candidate who will fight for the change and who will fight for your kid's education.
0: I mean, first, the body language, right? the glares in the stairs chilling like ice cold right yeah bristle bristled the arms crossed the tension the fake stoicism this is an effing war right here I'm going to get to your comments on the race here. Put your comments on this race and what you saw last night in the feed. I'm going to relay it live on air. I think it's basically going to come down to whether you want the status quo or not. Do you want the status quo or not? Do you want what's currently happening or not? Here's what's going to determine... here the issues that I think are going to determine this race. One, academic performance. Parents are irritated that academic performance has slipped at ACPS. I said earlier in the show they're spending 18K plus per student. That number is 15,000 plus. I want to correct myself. Thank you, John, for that. John Blair, you're right. 15,000 plus per student. If you're spending 15 G's plus per student, you're in one of the most affluent counties in the Commonwealth. You have arguably one of the best places to live in the country. Other media outlets have called Albemarle and Charlottesville one of the best places to live in the country. That's not me saying it. That's media outlets legitimately saying it. People expect the schools to follow suit. Academic performance, numeral uno. Two, most important issues in this race. Bus driver. The fact that we're still talking about this is nauseating. Nauseating. Three, collective bargaining. Right now, The Albemarle Teacher Union, the Albemarle County Teachers Union, and the Albemarle County School Board, the current school board, and the Teachers Union, the Education Association, are at loggerheads. They got beef. They got brouhaha. They got drama. They're in the back alley. Each of them has a knife in their hands, and they're literally fighting. Negotiations have come to a halt between the school board current and the Education Association the Teachers Union they can't figure this out collective bargaining One of the things you should follow very closely just like when Natalie Ausrin gets on city council, Natalie Ausrin is a huge proponent of upzoning and rezoning in the draft zoning audits in Charlottesville City. Bryce is not a huge proponent of collective bargaining. That came up in last night's Q&A. That's a dynamic you should follow very closely, those that are following collective bargaining closely. I'd say collective bargaining is three. I'd say rebranding schools, four. School resource officers, In school, is five, and school resource officers have a couple of sub-bullet points, vaping in the bathrooms, kids having sex in the bathrooms. I would say it's extremely problematic if administrators are walking into bathrooms and there's children, students, teenagers having sex of any variety. Right? Definitely. Fighting? Cell phone use. Let's make that six. Cell phone use in schools. I've heard from a lot of parents, I'm a huge proponent of just saying no cell phones in schools. I've had a lot of parents reach out to me and say, I'm scared of my kids in the hallways and safety. And what happens if there's someone with a gun in the schools? I want them to be able to contact me. Literally, I don't know. I couldn't tell you the exact number. I would say it's over 80 sets of parents have contacted me about that since the show we did a few weeks ago when I said ban the phones altogether. Maybe you come up with a policy where the school the, the phones can be in the backpack. But the current policy where kids basically aren't getting popped or held accountable for, for using cell phones in class, that ain't working. And the last one I would say is morale. You know who I think is a barometer and who you should follow on Twitter? She listens to this show. Mary McIntyre on Twitter. Follow her on Twitter. She's a huge collective bargaining advocate. She's a literacy specialist and the vice president of the Almore Education Association. She ran for school board and lost to Katrina Coulson back in the day. Mary McIntyre is an educational advocate and routinely tweets about schools on her account. I follow her closely. The content she creates is legit and eye-opening. You scroll through Mary's Twitter account and read some of her commentary and you will realize that school morale with employees is at a level that I don't think I have ever seen in my 23 years of being in this community. I've been in Charlottesville and County for 23 years. School morale is piss poor. Teachers are quitting at aggressive clips. Mr. Bill... Uh, Are you talking about Munkachi? Mr. Bill Munkachi (laughs) came on this program and described morale. You should use Bill Munkachi's tutoring services. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a math tutor. He's a fantastic math tutor. Use, someone give Mr. Bill some props that I'm talking about him. There's your seven talking points for a campaign. Academic performance, bus driver shortage, collective bargaining, re, school rebranding, school resource officers, cell phone use, and school morale. Shh, I almost used a profanity. Sugar, I'd move school morale up to the two-slot ahead of bus driver shortage. It seems to me you got a candidate who is about the status quo, and you got a candidate that wants to take the status quo, chop it up, put it in a blender, and completely... Recreate what it's supposed to be. That's up to you, the viewer, the voter, to determine who you want. Now I got a newspaper here that I'm trying to fill pages for. This proverbial newspaper. I'm going to go to the next topic, but before I do, I'm going to get to comments. Katie Pearl, KTP, Queen of Whitehall. She says, the first clip you played was, was my favorite moment of the night. You guys want to know what the unfortunate aspect of last night is? Outside of the maybe 200 people in the gymnasium, Kate, Kate, charts, you were there. How many people do you think were in that gymnasium last night? Would you say 200 people? Let me know. Put it in the feed wherever you're watching. Outside of the 200 people that were in that gymnasium, there has been, before this show started, less than 80 people watched it on the Crozet Gazette account, YouTube account. This is why you got to stream this content on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn, where the actual people are. Katie Pearl says between two and three hundred. She thinks. Kate Sharts says that's a good estimate. Jerry, yes. Jonathan's watching the program. He says I'd say there were two hundred and two hundred twenty-five people. I tried counting, and counted roughly two hundred twenty-five. You had this fantastic introductory to these at-large candidates. And before the I Love Seville show, less than 300 people saw this q and I want you to think about that. This election... If previous elections are an indication is going to get twenty to thirty thousand voters. So if previous elections are an indication and twenty to thirty thousand people are gonna vote, and two to three hundred people have seen last night's QA, you're talking a percent? of voters saw what happened? Katie Pearl said, I went to the Crozet Gazette website a little bit ago and I could not easily find a link for the debate. It would be helpful if they included the link to their YouTube page on their website. 100%. Chad Wood said... Meg and Joan proved last night we have a problem and they have solutions and not just gaslighting. Chad Wood also said, like Dr. Bryce said, if you like the way things are going, you have a candidate for that. Deep Throat on Twitter says this. Deep Throat, I hear about you constantly from people around town. They've asked you to come on the program as if I'm interviewing a mafioso. Judah has confirmed he can black out your face, not use your name. We can just use Deep Throat as your nameplate on screen. Can we change his voice? I think By messing with audio <coughs> levels? Can we no, go two shot? I think that's something that uh, he would have to do on his end. No, we can change his voice. I'd have to turn it on and off every time he talks. That would be impossible. No, this is what I'm going to do. Have you seen those voice boxes where they put them up to their neck? I'm <laughs> talking. We can get him a voice box where he puts it up to his neck. Yeah, that's doing something on his end. Okay. Maybe a a speaker. Anyway, we can black out your face, Deep Throat, like a mafioso. You'd be like Don Corleone on this program. He says this. Oh, John Blair, listen to this. John Blair, Deep Throat says that $15,000 per student average that you highlighted is an understatement because capital improvement program money is excluded from that number. So that 15K is heavier per student because capital improvement program money is excluded from it. He also says, (laughs) your last DM just made me laugh. He also says on Bryce Spillman, He says, I have seen a lot of people pointing to the proliferation of Bryce signs as a leading indicator of the vote. He said, I would be very careful about that. Here's a story from Texas. Ted Cruz's campaign manager was famously anti-law, anti-lawn sign. When I lived in Houston, my neighborhood was awash with Beto signs, with Beto signs. The Dems in town were giddy. I warned them, this is a skewed indicator. Cruz, as you know, stomped his opponent. There's two indicators that we have right now of how this race is going. And I will will argue they're not definite predictors of what's going to happen. There's no doubt that there are way more Bryce signs than Spillman signs, and it's not even close. Then you also have the other KPI of fundraising dollars. Where she's, Bryce essentially tripled Spillman's fundraising dollars, at least according to the last VPAP report. But outside of that, we really don't have any other indicators. I mean, maybe you can include the indicator of one candidate attaching themselves to socialist Charlottesville and the other one not. And Socialist Charlottesville not having much success of late with backing or pushing candidates into the winner circle. All right, this is a newspaper, so we have to cover other topics. Let's cover, we did a little economics and some business with the truest story and how it's going to impact the small business owner. I also want to highlight for the viewers and listeners, if you're interested in purchasing Millie Joe, the asking price is $150,000. I just had a conversation with the owner, one of the co-owners of the business. I'm happy to help broker this deal for you. We can broker it. If you're a buyer of the business, I can help broker the deal, help you find the financing, the attorney, the accountant, the remodeler, the branding and advertising agency is ours. Get you the financials, help you review the financials and audit them and figure out what is a fair price, and I'll structure the seller finance deal for you as well. I think Millie Joe is a legitimate opportunity for someone to purchase. Revenue in 2022 was over 320,000 dollars. That's some local business for you. More local business. What is the future of Ix Art Park? Susan Crischel, the attorney, who's the executive director of Ix Art Park, has indicated that the art park will pause operations due to a funding shortfall. She also highlighted that the art park is in decent shape, but... They're laying off their five full-time employees. The art park is okay. We're going to survive. But our full-time employees are now out of work, Judah. We're then going to ask our part, Judah, you're two-shot, Judah. Executive director of the art park. All the full-time staffers have been canned. The part-time staffers are going to have to step up and maintain their part-time wage and do the work of the full-time workers the looking glass is going to have limited offering you know the what would you call looking glass like a an experiential art event sure the farmers market's not going to be impacted that's going to stay there it's wildly popular They're going to maintain the events through at least the end of the year. But she straight up said, we're not getting the donation dollars and the expenses, including rent, insurance, supplies, and salaries, are becoming too much to bear. That begs the question, what is the future of Ix Art Park and Ix in totality? Ix in totality is 17.48 acres. 17.48 acres is Ix. I will say it's straight up the most valuable, undeveloped. I mean, I don't want to say undeveloped. I'm not trying to throw shade. It's developed. I'm going to choose my words carefully here. Ix Park, and you wanted to update the lower third to Ix Park if you could. X Park, it's, currently, its current footprint is not what its footprint will be, call it 10 years from now. 10 years from now, this is going to be a live, work, play, densely populated area with housing as the focal point. Currently, the owners of Ix Park who watch and listen to this show and read our content on a regular basis, Alan Kajee, the attorney and real estate investor, and Ludwig Kootner, the real estate magnate. I talked to Ludwig the other day. He, turned, he saw me walking down Market Street to our office. He turned his yellow moped around and stopped to talk to me, and he gave me props for an analysis or commentary that I did on dairy market. You got 17.48 acres with an asking price of $4,806,757 per acre. So, 4,806,757, oh, seven, $4,806,757 asking times 17.48 is an asking price of over $84 million. For the acreage and the structures known as Ix Park, Allen and Ludwig won over $84 million for the structure and the 17.48 acres. That is arguably the most undeveloped, high in potential land in a 10.2 square mile city. We call Charlottesville. Kajen and Kootner will part with Ix for $84 million. Now, I'll cut to the chase. This listing, we were the first to break the news that this listing was put on the market. We were the first to break it. I love Sevo. This listing is now stale. It's essentially a flyer listing. And what I mean by a flyer is they put it out there to see if someone will take, Will someone will bite. No one's bit. That tells you the $4,806,757 asking per acre is not um, reality, deep throat. I'm going to get to your analysis. I was very h- hopeful that you would offer analysis for the viewers and listeners on this. Still, I think we all realize that what would have huge success at Ix Park would be, and I hate—I don't—I'm not going to use the word hate. Hate's a strong word. A lot of people will hate what I'm about to say, but facts are facts. The future of Ix are either apartment towers or condo towers. Do you guys know the Lewis and Clark building? The Lewis and Clark building is the building when you're going down Main Street. (coughs) When you're going down West Main, from the UVA corner to the downtown mall, there's that condo tower. Literally as you go down West Main Street, that's the future of X Park. A few of those condo towers. Maybe you make them apartments. Maybe you make them condos for sale or for rent. Depends on the appetite and the affinity for risk of whoever buys this. Me, personally, if I was doing it, I would be doing it as apartments. But the appetite and affinity for risk for apartments versus condos where you can sell and at least you can start getting money faster just depends on who your investor is. I think you could put, this is a question for you, Rory Stolzenberg. Rory Stolzenberg, the planning commissioner. Rory Stolzenberg, who had an unfortunate accident on a scooter, and I believe is right now in a wheelchair. The significant other of Allison Rabel, rhymes like table, the Furmore Daily Progress staff writer, who now works for Almoral County. Rory, planning commissioner, Stolzenberg. How many units of density could you put on X Park, Planning Commissioner Stolzenberg? I would imagine significant density. Frankly speaking, if you want density and upside, put it there. I bet you you could put. I mean, if you could put in Phase Three of Chris Henry's Dairy Market Development, four hundred units, four hundred apartments on the area of twice as nice thrift store, those asphalt parking lots and the laundry mat and you could do 400 apartments, X park you could probably do. How many could you do there deep throat? This is literally up your alley. Jesus, sorry, I can't say, can I, I shouldn't say. What should I say? Cheese and rice, cheese and rice, cheese and rice. Cheese and rice. He says it's NX-8, Deep Throat does, and it has no unit limit. There's no limit for units. He says you, you could probably, 17 acres, you could build out 10, 100 dwelling units per acre. 84,000 per unit in land costs. That's not crazy. It's got an eight story limit in height, but not a unit limit. He says say you build out 10, 100 dwelling units per acre, 1,000 units, 84,000 per unit in land costs. He says, Koutner is waiting for some other developer to come along and build luxury condos and the same upzoners who complained about phase three of dairy market will come out to shout and emote about this one too. And yet, they will never learn that this is exactly what upzoning is for. This is where the housing should happen. Upzoning should happen Density should happen in buildings that are falling down and forgotten and afterthoughts. Twice as nice thrift store, the laundromat, and those asphalt parking lots on Preston Avenue. I'm telling you right now, Chris Henry's team owns Preston Plaza across the street. Preston Plaza's future is not integral yoga. What else is in the Preston Plaza shopping center? Can you look that up, Judah? The one behind Sticks. Preston Plaza's future is not what you see there. It's housing. Ix Park's future is housing. This is where the density should happen. There. But the advocates of upzoning and rezoning and the draft zoning ordinance, these advocates are activists and not business people. And the activists... Advocates, advocates, activists, activists, advocates. The folks that are advocating for upzoning are also socialists and activists, and they want the upzoning and the rezoning and the draft zoning ordinance to happen in affluent, wealthy, white neighborhoods and not in parking lots, and buildings that are shadows of their former selves. And that, my friends, is hypocrisy at best, lunacy and stupidity more realistically. Preston Plaza also has what? You look, J-Dubs? Yep. What do you got on a two-shot?
2: They've got Sticks Kebab Shop. Is
0: killing me. Go ahead. Sticks Kebab. Yeah. Breadworks. Mm. Twice as nice consignment shop. Mona Lisa Pasta. Integral Yoga Natural Foods. Cafe 88. Mm. Serenity Nails and Spa. M&M Lounge and Restaurant. Martin Hardware Grill Showroom. And Details in Motion. I I think there's even more than that. <clears throat> Let's see if I can find it. You know how hard it is to host a talk show when your voice is not 100%? It's very challenging. This is what happens when you aggressively use your voice for 20 hours a week. This is my point. We want density. And I'll cut to the chase, dude. We got eight to 10 okay, I'm going to be a realistic. I'm going to be a realist here. with the data science school, with the biotech Institute, with the UVA expanding its enrollment, and UVA hiring more people to manage said enrollment expansion, and with the 11 billion dollar investment by Amazon Web Services in Louisa County. There's going to be conservatively 6 to 10,000 additional citizens coming to the Almore County Charlottesville City area. And these people need a place to live. I see that we need more housing. Where you put this type of housing and where you can help accommodate or cater to the people that are coming with this bags of money and these significant six-figure jobs is you build a condo plex, a condo building like the Lewis and Clark building. That Lewis and Clark building is the building down West Main Street right before the downtown mall I was talking about earlier. Those condos trade for like $600,000 and up. You might be able to get some $500,000 condos in there. Let me see. I'm going to Paragon and the MLS. I don't think there's any on the market right now, but let me look. All right, there's actually one on the market. Ross Stevens of Stevens and Company has it. This is the smallest unit one. It's a 2 bedroom, 2 bath. It's got an asking of 410, 410,000. It's a 5th floor condo, the smallest unit one. So I'll say that's the baseline price, four hundred and ten K. Ross Stevens of Stevens and Company, he's got the unit. Four hundred and ten is the uh, baseline. And whoever buys this is probably going to gut the kitchen. The kitchen's old. Two hundred and fifty Main Street, condo five hundred and four. I mean, they got sweeping views of the Blue Ridge. I believe each of the condos has a parking space. The bottom floor is office space. I remember having uh, business discussions on multiple occasions with Kyle Redinger on the bottom floor of that office space. He had an office there. I don't think he does anymore. Had many a negotiation, me and Kyle there. You build towers like this of condos and you sell them for, I mean, brand new ones that are at X with the farmer's market next to it and a brewery right behind it. With the parking space, I'd say you could probably start at 700, 700, 700,000 a unit. Let's say the median, let's say the the median for these units. Let's say you do 1,000 units like Deep Throat said. This dude knows the stuff better than I do. Let's say you go 1,000 units. And each of those units at 1,000 units. Let's say 700G. You're talking $700 million. I'll even build a conservative model. Let's take 750 units, not go the full thousand. 750 units at X. And let's build a conservative model around 450,000. That's really conservative. 750 units times $450,000. You're talking $337,500,000 for a sellout. That's why Ludwig and Allen have an asking price of $4,806,000 per acre. They're looking to at least 3x their money. Maybe 4x their money. This is why you guys listen to this talk show and watch this digital and audio and visual newspaper. No one else in this 300,000-person market we call Charlottesville or Central Virginia is providing analysts analytical information or thought-provoking information like this. No one Josh Tracy, no one Carly Wagner, no one uh, Katy Perry, Katy Pearl, no one Sarah Hill-Buchensky, Lisa Costello. Vanessa Parkhill, Holly Foster, Travis Hackworth, Seth Batten, Scott Thorpe, Ray Cadell, Kevin Yancey, Bellamy Brown, Mr. DL, Jesse Rutherford, Mayor Snook, Trip Stewart, Jamie Turner, Mary Thompson, Andy Argod, Esquire Robinson-Hubbard, Neil Williamson, Patty Zeller, no one. All those folks watching our fair and fine talk show. I just try to cut through the crap, right? We got to make a phone call. We got our VIP client. It's 145. I got to make the phone call right now. End the show. I lost track of time. That's the I Love Seville show. I'm calling them now. See you, Judah. Five viewers in this.